Hey folks, uh, welcome to a Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. I just wanted to mention my new sponsors, Zendo Zones. Yes, this episode is brought to you by Zendo Zones. They are these cool, cool ceramic tiki characters about the size of a, a tall boy a can or a king cans, as we like to say in Canada. The uh, company, by the way, also does pest control. So good, in fact that I was going to have the members of Rat on the show, wouldn't come. They heard Zendo Zones, they stayed away. You know why? Too good. That's why. That's true. Zendo Zones is too good. Anyway, uh, each Zendo Zone character comes with three eight-hour burning citronella candles. And as some of you may know, I live in a heavily, heavily forested area, and I use a lot of citronella in the summer. These are way, way cooler than those big citronella buckets you get over at whatever store. At night, the eyes on these tickies give off these really, really cool glows. So for uh, more information on my sponsor, Zendozodes, head over to zendozones.com. That is zendozones.com. Or go to acehardware.com and search Zendozones. That's Z-E-N-D-O-Z-O. N-E-S. There you go. Said that in my Canadian accent just for you. Anyway, a very big uh, thank you to uh, Zendo Zones. And now, this. Finally, David Coverdale clears up what kind of music Whitesnake makes. Cock rock. I'm sorry, what? Talk rock? Cock rock. Oh, cock rock. Right. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. It's uh, good therapy, good release for people. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone for not the first time, but a second time, it is Huey Lewis and the News, Johnny Cola. Yes, the band has a new album out called Weather, and I, I just love it. Uh, you know, I, I'm sold on anything, Huey Lewis. Let's be uh, fair and honest. Love Picture This, love Sports, of course. That was one of the biggest albums in my life. Uh, they have an album that came out in 2001, I believe, called Plan B. Didn't get a lot of uh, press or, or play around radio and stuff. But if you listen to that album, the way it was produced, it just sounds great. You know, you always say, oh, I need a remaster and I need a... Uh-uh, man. Plan B. They, they got an A for that. Let me tell you, that, that is a great, great album. Anyway, uh, we spoke to uh, Johnny not too long ago. We covered a whole bunch of uh, topics, but we didn't get really deep into the character, into the, uh, not characters, but the catalog. I think we stopped somewhere around like 1983. I think we got, we worked our way up to sports and weather, you know. Uh, so this one, we talk a little bit more about uh, Small World 4 and some of the stuff after. Uh, there might be some uh, doubling up on uh, content, just in the sense that uh, I went over the first interview and I started taking notes about Okay, you've asked him this, don't ask him that. Make sure you ask him this in the second interview. And then, of course, when the interview goes on, you're not you're not busy reading notes. Your your brain takes over and I'm going, oh, yeah, did I, did I mean to ask him about that? Or or did I, oh, geez, okay, whatever. So uh, anyway, sit back, enjoy, and uh, like the first interview, um, this one was edited by Johnny Cola. I sent him over the... Uh, uh, the tapes and right not really tapes but the digital files and uh, he put it together now uh, nothing in terms of content was uh, removed so uh, rest easy no content was removed it's just the 
the hem and the haws and the sneezes and the coughs and uh, on both parts, not 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 just Johnny, Johnny and me. And uh, he just tightened it up. And uh, listen, when uh, somebody of Huey Lewis says, I want to uh, edit your show, you're like, yeah, F yeah. Uh, the guys from uh, Huey Lewis get a pass, man. They can do whatever they want because that is, well, the sports album, and I've said this before and I say it on Twitter every so, it was a defining moment in my life. Um, you know, Kiss at the end of 70. Uh, at the end of the 70s, uh, you know, I loved Dynasty, I loved Unmask. I really couldn't tolerate um, The Elder, not back then. Uh, Creatures of the Night was a great album, but but essentially my, my musical flame of Aerosmith, Cheap Trick, and Kiss had come uh, to an end. And Sports was the album that sort of reignited the music fan in me, you know, that that 81, 82, early 83 period was like, oh, what am I going to buy next? You know, because Nights in the Ruts, I love Nights in the Ruts, but at the time it was sort of like, uh-huh. Uh, and then what came after that? Um, uh, 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 oh, I'm blanking. The one with Lightning Strikes um, and Bolivian Muragamuffin or whatever by Aerosmith. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Anyway, uh, that didn't really ignite my fire at the time. Uh, uh, rocks. No, not Rocks. Uh, anyway, Um so, you, you know, sports comes out and all of a sudden it's like, wow, listen to this. You know, I want a new drug, heart and soul. Uh, it just, it was, it was, bad is bad. Bad is bad was my jam. By the way, I can't believe I just said something was my jam. Ooh, ew. That might be worse than when I say something is delightful. Please, if I ever say anything's my jam ever again, just, just, Hit hit stop on the episode and, and walk away. Honestly, ooh, oh, all right. Uh, so before you walk away, um, here I walk alone like a Bruce Kulick. Here is the one, the only Johnny Cola. We are speaking with Huey Lewis and the news is Johnny Cola uh, part two. Actually, a, a rebonjour, as we would say in in Montreal. Uh, bonjour, yeah. I'm yes. a tough one to get rid of. Yep. You're a tough uh-huh. one nice to get rid again. of, and you know what? Listen, I have to say, not only are you tough to get it rid of, but I'm I'm a sold, diehard Huey Lewis fan. My my playlist in the phone, I've increased it since we last spoke. We're at 200 and whatever songs. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I know the catalog. Mm-hmm. I know this, and it's it's a great thrill. You know, um, uh, even I the other day, I also understand you you spent big money on the uh, website, so that's. That's um, that's exciting. Now I know you're a real fan. I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, your 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 company Tinman Merch and I almost did a deal for some stuff I had back in 2013. I was like, oh look at that! It's the it's the same company as Huey Lewis. And uh, yeah, I spent 154 bucks just the other day. I was like, you know what? Because I, I have my Huey Lewis mug right in front of me here, and I like it. It's such a like the the Kiss mug turned brown after a few washes in the washing machine your mug has stayed black so there you go so i i approve of the merch quality of the uey lewis stuff we believe in quality over quantity yes any day of the week any day of the week so (laughs) so all right so for folks that haven't heard uh part one uh first of all go listen to part one because it's very interesting but but this is part two where we're going to sort of wrap up this is sort of like the janitor version where we're just going to clean up some loose ends tie everything in a nice bow but let us once again talk about whether the new album since we did part one the numbers Uh have come out on billboard and other places and the numbers have been incredible 
Uh, people are yeah. snapping it up, buying it up, loving it. So just just talk to me about that real quick. The fact that here you are all these years later, you know, the first album was 80, 81, so 40 years later, and you're still having an impact on Billboard. Do you look at that and go, yeah, well, we kind of expected it? Or do you go, man, that's kind of cool. We, we, we're still relevant. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, look, this is, uh, um, this is a modern world, and uh, um, I, uh, I would attribute some of our success. First of all, it's, right, it's the first batch of original songs in lots of years. But more than that, you know, this is this is a media-driven world, as we all know, in several respects. And it's the, you know, it's the wounded bird thing. Um, Huey's got a problem, uh, could be fixable, maybe not. We'll see, only time will tell. And what happens is everyone wants their little piece of Huey in the news because they're remembering. They're, he's in the uh, media with the ear problem and we got... And telling old stories about us, and it makes people want to go out and buy the stuff. So I don't think that's the entire story behind weather. I think what's happening is both the public and critics are realizing it's a damn good record. It harkens back to sports. I mentioned it in the first half. It harkens back to sports, and it's got this crisp, cool. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's got this thing that. Uh, we uh, haven't really had in a long time. It's uh, you could call it, um, you know, it's it's organic, but it's also machine-like, and that's pretty much what we did with sports when it came out. It was a conscious effort, and so we're reaping the rewards, I guess. I, here's the deal: I put out a lot of records, right, Mitch? Oh yeah, tons. <laughs> yeah, and I actually can still listen to this one. That doesn't happen a lot. If you're telling me you can't listen to sports, I might have to hang up on you because that's it. No, uh, but okay. But we so so that's the new album, real quick. You also had your your album uh, in 2012 called "I Hear Voices," and you wanted to recut this one, or you're in the process of recutting it as a completely a cappella one. I think we touched upon it in part one, but let's just mention what's the prognosis? Not the prognosis. What's the uh, when does that? What's the prognosis, doctor, on on the I hear voices? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. When, when do you see that DOA, one finished? Doa, baby. Doa. Yeah. No. Well, no. Let's, hopefully, it's not going to be dead on arrival. But yeah. you you had planned on having it out at the same time as weather, and you said to me, "Listen, I just haven't been able to finish this. I've got whatever three or four tracks done, but there's a lot more." Mm-hmm. When do you see that one being completed? And do you have to give it space in order to not compete? with the main gig is is there is there that thought process where you go i can't have two products out at the same time because i can't compete with the band nah no that that has nothing to do with it um but i want to clarify something uh just back it up for a second that is this i'm not recutting anything uh just for the public's knowledge what i'm doing is when i first conceived of this to pick off these old tunes and and uh you know a huey in the news standard naturally for this record by your voices, which by the way, I don't know if you can get them anymore. I think I might've sold out, which is always nice. Um, I spent a hundred bucks for a copy, by the way. <laughs> Yow. Ouch. I, I, well, I, you know, I well, searched you your second one. Just call me up. I'll call sell, you, sell you one for 50. But I, 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 I searched <laughs> the internet high and low on all the different collector sites, and I found one person who had it, and they were selling it for 250 And I wrote, wrote an email and said, 
hey, would you take a hundred for it? And I went, yeah, sure, no problem. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> and of course, yeah. it, it was sight okay. unseen, right? I'm like, yeah. this better be good because if there's not at least one <laughs> song I like, that's a lot of money for a coaster. And yeah. I ended up loving it. Understood. So, yeah. All right. Well, when I'm in Montreal, sign your your uh, uh, CD, no problem. The I Hear Voices. But you know what? Fans have been writing me because I've, I've posted some of the video, the YouTube stuff. And people are like, hey, Mitch, we're trying to buy it. And I'm like, it doesn't exist. They're like, well, you tell them to make more. So so you, you would have some mm-hmm. fans who want some. <laughs> put, put out another hundred. Yeah, but okay, right. so you, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're doing the album as originally conceived without all the instrumentation. So not recutting, maybe just, uh, uh, well, suppressing. Exactly. The... It's, more, it's, it's more of deleting and, and taking tracks out. I mean, I really, here's how it happened. I'll make it quick. Um, I actually conceived of this as an acapella record, and I thought maybe I'll just put a little bass and drums in the background. And I got a couple other friends to come in and fill it out with guitar and piano, and what the heck gives us something to sing to? Well, it got really good, and I decided to put it out as a band record, so it sounded like, uh, you know, uh, um, we're all there in the same room and all that stuff. And afterwards, uh, I had it at my place here at home, and I started taking the tracks out, and I thought, this is worthy of putting out the same tracks, exactly. And for those of uh, you in the, in, the, in the GP, in the GA, general audience, that don't understand this, this is, um, uh, you know, when you multi-track, you can delete or add anything you want that's already on the tape. So I'm eliminating lots of tracks, and really spotlighting the vocals and the solos. And it, it's like what I originally meant to put out. I'm having so much fun with it. Yeah, I can't wait. And uh, there's a few there's a few on there. There's Naturally from Huey uh, Lewis that you're recovering, and there's Lover Please and Slow Twisting. And uh, I'm just looking at the mm. uh, at it on my phone. Crazy little thing called Love, which I've always said is my favorite Queen song. But all right, let's... Let us continue the part two. Because... Let me let me crack one more thing in, and you yes. can cut it in however you want. Yes. Uh, here's here's a little known fact: the gal that sang with me on "Slow Twistin'," she's a uh, she lives about thirty miles away from me here in Marin County. She grew up in Vallejo, California. Her name is Gabrielle Wilson, and as we live, speak, and breathe, she is the woman who is gone on to great stardom who's called h-e-r her oh yeah oh that's are you familiar with the artist yes i think uh, in fact um i'm trying to think didn't uh, dick wagner who who used to be with alice cooper do some work with her as well i think she i think he might have i do not know that but uh, perhaps or maybe i really championed her and uh, i had her sing um after we cut the, the the track she was only 14 years old at the time probably not 22 or something as we cut the track and then got the record out. Now she's kind of emerging and becoming a, you know, a young woman with her own opinions and things like that. We, I had her um, show up at three or four local Huey and the news shows and sing slow twisting with Huey. And it slayed the audience, man. It was fantastic. Oh, she's, she's great. Anyway, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to when this comes out, which I don't think you told us it's, End of the year this year, or, or summer, or uh, the acapella version? Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be out by by this year. Um, the tentative title, uh, just for the fun of it, uh, it will still be called "I Hear Voices," but the subtitle will be "Hardly Strictly Acapella." 
There you there, go. There, I've given it away. You're the first one. The first one. So we'll let folks know that. And, and they can go over to johnnycola.com at, at the time, and they'll be able to order it and so on and so forth. Which Yes, sir. Huh? Which I'm looking forward to, which is because it's not easy to order the, the order the other stuff. Um, let let us get over here just real quick to uh, Phil Lynott and Thin Lizzy. Uh, I spoke to Scott Gorm and I interviewed him a while back, and we we did the whole mm. talk to me about Huey Lewis. And I said, "How did you hang out with Huey Lewis?" And he said, "Well, you know, Huey would hang around the studio, and we we became friends, and that's and so that's that's how that how sort of Scott explained it, but." Mm-hmm. There has been on the internet for years these three songs, Still Alive, um, what's the other one, uh, Can't Get Away, and then One mm-hmm. Wish. These three songs all say, Huey Lewis and and Phil Lynott, these are on the, all the bootlegs, and you're, first of all, I want to talk about that, because that I think was his last, last recording session, but also the bootlegs are wrong. You're not on three tracks. You're on two tracks. That's correct. That's oh. correct. Um, I did a lot of research on it as well. You know, uh, I'll, I'll take an old uh, quote and, and turn it around. Don't believe everything you read on the Internet. And uh, um, I, I confirmed it uh, with uh, a couple bandmates. We cut two tunes. I'm positive of that. Uh, we cut uh, Still Alive and Can't Get Away. And Phil, uh, uh, he brought his guitar player out to Marin County to be on the tracks. But for the most part, it was uh, uh, Huey in the news. And I can take full responsibility, whoever wants to knock me over the head, for the backing vocals and a hand in the production, probably, quietly. Um, It's my belief that Philip uh, went back to England and I think he did a little work in the studio. And that is a, uh, that third song you, uh, allude to is a very, if you listen to it, it's a really crude track. I mean, it's just a simple drum machine with some funny little overdubs and I'm absolutely positive. It's not, uh, our band backing them up. There's not a doubt in my mind. Yeah. So, so one wish, uh, dear, Led or not Led Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy bootleggers is not with Huey Lewis. Okay, so so talk to me about that because these songs are unreleased. They're 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 on the bootleg market with Huey and the band not maybe being able to move forward making new music because of what we spoke about before. Is there a a feeling within the camp that okay maybe it's time to revisit the past and check the vaults and find some live this and some unreleased demos that. And and start maybe putting new product together based on what already exists. And and is there a lot that exists when you go in and do a sports? Do you record eighteen songs and pick the nine best, or did you do nine and say, "All right, we're done"? <laughs> uh, uh, the latter. <laughs> we, uh, you know, you and I touched on this before, and it's not that we didn't have enough material. Uh, I'll repeat myself. It was why not hit our best songwriting friends up for tunes while we're making a record. And inevitably some of those songs ended up uh, getting on the record. Um, I mean, we were, we, we learned as we went, you know, you know, you go back, we weren't great songwriters, but we got better and better at it as you look at any other artist. And um, so the answer to your question is no, we, we had what we had, 
and we put it on a record. And actually, we caught a lot of flack back uh, uh, in uh, record number three, sports, for only having nine tracks uh, from the record company, from the fans, and all that. Because the uh, De Rigueur at the time was you got to have at least 10 or 11 tracks, no more than 14 or 15. And that had a lot to do with how you got paid royalties, publishing and writing. You know, you wanted to get a lot of songs on your record, but if you had too many, you wouldn't get paid for the extras. If you had too few, you know, you're shortchanging your public. Um, but we threw caution to the wind and just did what we could do at the time. You know? it, it it certainly paid off on, on sports. Now, uh, some of the other things that, that we didn't cover, of course, is... In terms of uh, of yourself being a, a independent artist, and a, do you ever? And you've done these a couple of solo albums. Did you ever want to go out there and be more of a solo artist and get away from the news? And and did it sort of bother you that it was Huey Lewis and the News, and not just a band name to represent everybody? And and that you know what I mean? Like, did you want to sort of? stand out from the pack and say, hey, I'm Johnny Cola. I'm not just the news guy. I'm not just Yui's backing band. Was there any ever any of that? <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's think about that for a minute. No. Is that a but beehive? I've always, <laughs> I've always wanted to be a lead singer. Let's face it. I think I have a voice for it, and I could have done it. I auditioned for, you know, lots of bands, a lot of hits and misses in that regard. Uh, but... When Huey and I hooked up and we started this thing, I knew there were uh, certain things I didn't have as um, a personality, a lead singer, and an entertainer. And all of those things make up uh, success. Uh, You can point your finger at a lot of bands who didn't have a couple of those. And, you know, they had three hits and they went away. And I saw Huey Lewis in the news and what a team player he was, yet he wanted to be the focal point of the band. I saw this as a, I hate to use the term, because it's a sports term, a winning formula. I knew this thing was sincere and um, he wasn't, you know, blowing smoke up my ass. That we were in there for the long haul and, uh, you know, it really paid off. You know, 41 years later, here I am. Archiving um, old tapes, yeah, and, and talking to me. I mean, it's it's as successful as. No, I'm kidding. Um, but l- <laughs> let me start off with, with the band's original name. You were you were called uh, American Express for a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me about why you had to change that. Was it just a record company saying to you, "Be careful," or did actually American Express come to you and say? Hey, by the way, there's a trademark out there, and it's ours. So that certainly would have happened. We okay. know that. But uh, uh, if you want to back it up a little bit, uh, as we spoke about, I was drawing and putting up posters for a living in 1974, and when uh, Huey and I became friends, 7374, and Huey had a yogurt business at the same time, and we had all these uh, sort of parallel lives going on, girlfriends in the same college, and all this stuff. And Huey had a business called Natural Foods Express, and he liked the word express. It was an action word for him, right? He liked express. So as we got this little band going, his, his first inclination, he put, they got that word going, 
American Express, Huey Lewis and American Express. So <laughs> uh, our, our manager, I think he was the first one to say, yeah, that ain't going to fly. We're going to get hit every way till Sunday with lawsuits. So we immediately changed the names. But you did put out a couple of tracks under that. You did uh, Kickback and Exo Disco. And for anybody who hasn't heard Exo Disco, uh, first of all, how, how do you take that song? And I'll tell you how I think about it and uh, afterwards. But w- when you look back to Exo Disco, first of all, did you play on that song? Yeah, I did. Um, how, how we do you... were still trying to figure... <laughs> Go ahead. I, I was going to... How can I explain this? Because it, it's going to sound rude, but it's not. But... I, I, I have it in my playlist and it comes on and my brain goes, you shouldn't like this, but I never turn it off because my brain goes, this is fun. So it's sort of like this weird, wacky song that I shouldn't like and yet I can't turn it off. So <laughs> it, it I guess it wins because I, 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 I it's just weird. And uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if you have it up there in Canada. Do you have one eight hundred cars for kids? No, but we should. God, lucky you. <laughs> There's this annoying commercial in America. One eight hundred cars for kids, and he does a Johnny Cash impersonation, and his daughter sings the thing. And you know what do you call it? It's what I love to hate. And yeah. Exodisco probably falls in that category. Well, that's exactly what I described. I, I'm telling you, the other day, I was walking the dog through the forest, and, you know, the playlist goes on, and it, the songs come on blindly, and it comes on. I'm going, oh, what the hell is that? And then I'm going, oh, it's that song. And I couldn't turn it off. And it's every time I, I have that reaction of, oh, I can't listen to this, but it's brilliant. And you said to yourself, what the fuck did they do that for? Yes, oh, I minute. did. <laughs> I can't stop listening. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think I told you the story in part one, and that was when Huey, when, when Clover came back to America with their tail between their legs, the first thing Huey wanted to do was get a band going. He knew what he wanted. He knew the guys he wanted. He started talking to us, and uh, probably me first, I would imagine. And I was all in. And he said, look, I got us a record deal. Got us 5,000 bucks. We're going to cut this, you know, let's cut one of our theme songs, Exodisco. Yeah, great. So we cut the tune, send it back to Mercury in England for the singles deal. Um, We took the $5,000, made a Huey and who knows what demo tape and got a deal uh, with our manager who ultimately found us a record contract. So Exodisco has value and history. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it's great um the last time out because I, I don't remember the entire conversation but did we talk at all about small world yeah maybe oh, well, let me where ask, you and i left off mm-hmm. could be because I, I i but I'm, I'm curious about small world and so let me let me contextualize it thusly uh sports comes out major success as we know puts the band on the map you, you do arena tours the whole thing then, of course, uh, Four comes out and massive singles, uh, but the sound is, of the band is somewhat changing. What was the thought process going into Small World? Because you're in this MTV era where you've got, you know, all the hair metal bands are doing these loud, powerful things, and you've got the Madonnas of the world and the U2s of the world. And instead of coming back with Sports Part 2 or Sports Part 3, you go more uh, to the saxophones and to the trumpets and, and to sort of a swing sound, 
you know, old Antone. And was that a, you know, commercially, was that a mistake to do that? Was it just something that you had to do because it was in you? How did the record company react? I mean, talk to me a little bit about Small World, because at the time it seemed like a like a like a misstep to me. Looking back now, when I play it in the playlist and I hear uh, Old Antone, I'm like, that's a brilliant song. Uh, How how did the record company react to this? Well, um, I hope I don't offend anybody in the business. Not that it matters anymore. (laughs) But when we cut four, it uh, didn't have as good a success as uh, uh, sports in America. We all know that. But it was a smash in Europe. And I'll tell you, part of the reason was we had a deal where um, Power of Love had to show up on a different record here in America as a soundtrack to the movie. And But over in Europe, Power of Love showed up on four. And it was a huge record in Europe. To this day, it sells as good or better than sports. So next up is Small World. And we're kind of spreading out, no doubt about it. We're thinking... You know, we're, we're kind of scatter shooting, if that's a fair enough term. Um, I can remember um, my, I was getting really eclectic regarding my songwriting. I was going real sort of ethnic and, and you know, Americana roots. My contributions were old Antones and, uh, and uh, uh, Better Be True and I suppose a couple others I can't remember. But we were at a strange crossroads with Small World, I can say. It was a uh, pretty mixed bag with, you know, Stan Getz on, you know, on on uh, track five and uh, something as far out as Bobo Tempo on track four, which was all live and in the studio. So, um, you know, did we miss something? I don't know. But as you grow older and and people start looking back, they go, "Wow, that was that marked a place in time, and that's what's important." It did, and and mm-hmm. I, I have to say, and and again, I'll contextualize. But when it came out in uh, what was that ninety eighty eight, I didn't like hmm. it. I, I thought, "Oh my God, what what is this? I've lost my band." Sure. But now, when I sit down and listen to Huey Lewis, if I think of the band without Walking the Kid without old Antone, without Small World, there's a void there. Like th- those songs have aged very, very well because you weren't chasing a trend. You did the best songs you could do. And in 2020, you can listen to Walking With The Kid and you go, that's a fucking great song. That's a good song. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so you know, sometimes I guess you just... Well, it should be pointed out also that I don't think we used any... Oh, no, Perfect World, I'm sorry. Alex Call... Uh, we oh, that's picked, right. Perfect uh, World's on there. Perfect World off. But besides that, um, you know, all the all the songs were in-house, which I'm sort of proud of. Well, okay, so let me talk to you just, uh, just quickly about that. And I know we touched a little bit about it on, on the first part, but there was or there is an incredible amount of cover songs by the band over the years. Sports, in a sense, had three, though. I mean, Bad is Bad is a Yui song, but other people cut it first. Um, mm-hmm. talk to me about, about that. Was there a sense in the band that our songwriting is not good enough or we're, we're not where we need to be? Or did record companies come and say, Hey, you really should record this. You should really do honky tonk blues. You should really, 
why why was there so many uh, cover songs? And then when you get down to um, uh, not Plan B, what was the other one after that? Four chords, and that you know you're you're almost paying tribute to these to the to the history. Why so many cover songs or so many songs that were done by artists before you? Mm. Well, I think you and I talked about that, and a little uh, bit, yeah. Like I said, it's. Uh, you know, within the organization, there's 20, 25 songs pitched and seven or eight of them make the cut, which is the essence of Huey and the News. And you work on those and they become more of the essence. So, like I said, why not hit up your best songwriting buddies for other songs to fill the record out? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, so where, 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 where do we see the future going for the band in terms of... 2021 2022 do do we start looking at maybe getting into a biopic do we start thinking about contacting the phil lineup uh estate and say hey can we do something with these songs do, do we do we start thinking of hologram tours i mean uh, wh- where do you sort of see the band <laughs> well you know listen whitney houston just did whitney houston just did a hologram tour of europe that was sold out so there, there is a future in that stuff, but but how do you sort of see the band moving forward, or do you, or do you just sort of sit back and go, we had a good run, uh, we can't go forward because of what's going on. Let's just pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, listen, forty years, bravo. Hell no, hey man, it ain't over till the you know the lead singer dies. Let's face it, it's gr- <laughs> holograms. Yeah. Well, that's true. Let's get back to that for a minute. We're, we're nowhere near done. I mean, you know, are you ever done? Some guys are done nope. you know, for various reasons, but we're, we're going to be fine. Um, we're still having fun with it. We, uh, I procure the archives uh, on a weekly basis. We talk about what we want to do. We have probably three, four, five songs that we consider uh, viable for another record. And I'm sure I can get Huey to sing in the studio again. It's not over with, you know, it's a, it's the live performances are the problem. So we're going to be, we're going to be fine, folks, fans. We're going to be okay. You know, it's <laughs> you're going to move on. And in terms of procuring the, the archives or, or taking care of the archives, you know, a few years ago, they made a change to the copyright. And I think after 25 or 30 years, you're allowed to ask for your masters and stuff back. Is that something that, interests you do you do you want to be in charge of course we're not asking you demand or either sue but it it it, uh uh, i'm 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 into that sort of stuff it depends on the original contract you sign people like paul mccartney and uh and michael jackson's estate are at the cutting edge of this and we're watching them to see how the juries rule this stuff and you know Little guys like us will follow in their coattails and and try to get our stuff back. But it's that's not really that's not important stuff. We just you know we plow through, try to keep writing songs. Uh, you know, songwriting, Mitch, is it it has no age barrier. It is so um, of the imagination. Somebody can come up with an idea that that spans generations. And you just don't know. It's like, it's like the lottery, and that is really what I love about it. You know, I can, I can lay in bed, 
at night and think of an idea and grab my iPhone and slam it down. And the next morning I'll listen back to it and go, wow, that was a shitty ass idea. Or holy Toledo, that'd work great for so-and-so. Well, what did you, know, you do when you wrote Exo Disco? What, I do. <laughs> well, what was your reaction when when you did Exo Disco? Did you did you slam it down or I love that song by the way. <laughs> well, hold on. I think I have to educate you. You know, we didn't write that song. Exo Disco is a takeoff on the movie Exodus. Right. Right. So we didn't write it. It was somebody's put idea to turn it into a song that, that fit the idea of the times. And everyone had shags. Uh, platforms and polyester suits. And so we thought, what the hell? We're going to jump on this thing, the disco era, and write this tune called Exodisco, and it's all going to go crazy. And we're going to have a little hit here. Well, God damn it, punk rock jumped in our face, you know? Changed the entire <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> so It did. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll ask you a, a, a fan nerd question just real quick. Uh, the song, It Hit Me Like a Hammer. There are two versions floating around, one that has a sax solo and the other one that has the guitar solo. And um, a lot of fans don't know that or they, they haven't paid attention to it. And I got to say, the sax solo version is fantastic. And then, of course, the guitar version is fantastic. Um, talk to me about that and putting both of those out. And is that something the band did a lot where you experimented with different instrumentation and say, hey, instead of a guitar solo here, let's do Emilio Castillo and his boys doing his thing and we'll punch it up with that. Was that something you did a lot with the instrumentation? Try different versions and different things like that until you got, and then when you get to hit me like a hammer, you go, wow, that sounds good, but that sounds good too. Well, let's just put them both out. Well, actually, um, that was on Small World, am I right? It's in my playlist. Hit Me Like a Hammer. I think it might be on Small World. No. Hit Me Like a Hammer was on A Heart at Play. Yes. It's on A Heart at Play. And it's a Robert Mutt Lang song. That's right. Yeah, right. So there you go. See, those little details are left up to you guys. <laughs> I have no idea, man. I got to, like you, I got to go to the internet and, and scrape away and figure out what was what. And, and uh, then I immediately forget it. Uh, what happened was we cut the tune and uh, the first intention was that it was a sax solo and it just didn't sit right. Didn't feel good. It's not what I played. It's why it, why should it be a sax solo? So then Chris Hayes came in and cut this guitar part and the guitar part suited the rockness of the song. And we, uh, you know, we, we don't have, uh, there's no butt hurt in our band. Well, when my, when my, when my sax, uh, solo got, um, uh, 86 for the guitar solo, there was no, uh, uh, I didn't have any objections. I, as a matter of fact, is the role I play, uh, with production, I was the first guy to say, fuck yeah, man, it's much better as a guitar solo. Let's go with it. And by the way, that may be one of my favorite videos we've ever done. Uh, hit me like a hammer one? Oh, I love it. That, yeah. It's so artsy with the gals and the skirts and the shit breaking up. It's so out of character for Huey and the News. And not a, pe not a lot of people have seen that, uh, but they should. It's it's uh, really a, a beautiful art piece. 
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go recheck it because I know I've seen all the videos, but I don't remember it specifically. But I do remember the two versions, and 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 fans can buy both versions. There are CD singles that have with the sax mix, and there's the guitar mix, and different greatest hits have put on both versions. I don't know if you were aware, but depending on which greatest hits you get, you get a different version of that song. Mm. Uh, and it's oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, listen, I think both versions are winner. Uh, to say that the sax version, <laughs> I really do. I uh, I actually mm-hmm. got used to the sax version because I pulled it off for my playlist off of Greatest Hits that had the sax version. Uh, and then when I was looking through some other stuff, it said uh, on a CD, the sax mix. And I went, what do you mean the sax? What do you mean? There's a different mix? And then of course yeah. I, I went back to the uh, to the guitar mix. Anyway, I think I, I think we <laughs> I think we've covered a lot, and I'm sort of forgetting what we did yeah. in the first part. So I don't want to start uh, doubling up on stuff. But uh, you know, there we go. Um, in, in terms of oh, here, I'll ask you this: in terms of music videos, how comfortable were you making them, and and how aware were you of performance video versus concept video versus having to appear cool and, and stuff. And then also, uh, you know, um, you know, you look at uh, stuck with you and, and people are in the sand and, and there's a, there's a, a, a goofiness, but not, not a negative goofiness, like a, a joie de vivre kind of uh, attitude toward mm-hmm. what was the sort of the, the theory behind video making? Cause you, you come out of, do you believe in love? And you're like, Oh my God, what did we just do? Uh, and then you do the RTPs like you just described with Hits Me Like a Hammer. But overall, what was sort of, did you have any input or did the record company say, hey, put on these suits there, boys, and uh, sh- let's go. We got to start filming. No, they had nothing to do with it. We, we were in full control of our videos. And when it first started, we did talk about this a little bit in our last interview. <clears throat> when uh, When this whole thing kicked off, you know, uh, MTV in 1981, I think it was. I can't remember. Who knows? And then as you talk about great timing, it comes Huey in the news, and the entire medium uh, got caught in my craw. But what the hell? The best thing that could have happened uh, for me is Huey got the same feeling around it. Is these people are taking themselves so seriously, and they're playing, you know, they're they're making a movie of their song lyrically line by line and bit by bit. And, you know, there's the, the troubled girl and the troubled boy and all that shit. We took the shit out of that. Just like, uh, uh, you know, video killed the radio star. Our two only serious videos and fans, correct me, were hit me like a hammer. And the other one, which is, is uh, probably not shown much as bad as bad where we're moving around uh, the streets of San Francisco at 5.30 a.m. Um, it's another beautiful art piece. Was Bad is Bad and released I as a video? I appreciate those. I thought Bad is Bad yes, got... Was. Was it? Hmm, trying to think. Okay, I thought I thought it had been pulled or, or it was... Or the video was released, but it wasn't released as a... There, there's a story with Bad is Bad. Hold on. Um, you just nailed it. You me, just nailed it. Right, it was that, right? That is bad was never released as a single, but we did make a video of it. And it's a beautifully moody uh, uh, video shot at dawn in San Francisco. So, but for all the rest, uh, uh, Mitch, to my point, is for all the rest, we just took the piss out of the medium and had fun with it, you know? I mean, why not? Well, I mean, you, you're, you're it, supposed to. 
And the well, uh, you are, but how about the other ninety five percent? You know, they're taking their shit like they're making a movie. <laughs> there, there uh, was. I won't. I won't talk specific, but uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there were. But I mean, you know what? It must have been interesting to be a musician at the time, because now, now we're back to being a musician. And when you were the Beatles and Cream and and Led Zeppelin, you were musicians. And then in in the eighties, you had to be a musician. And you had to be a video star. So it must have been a strange adjustment for some bands. And I can imagine Yui, who was just hanging out in, in, in whatever, Soho, and playing the harmonica with Phil. And then the, It must have been very strange for, for you guys to say, oh, okay, now we also have to be movie stars? Was, was that a strange creative adjustment for you? No, fortunately, we had a very outspoken, charismatic lead singer who loved the lens of the camera and uh, bless his heart done a hell of a job you know it went on to an acting career so there you go that's right the the uh, the famous uh, cameo in back to the future <laughs> uh, and then of course uh, hip to, the hip to be square video still haunts me there was something about the the close-up angles on that one that always just struck me i think it scared me actually is the actual word for that one but uh, anyway, <laughs> well, maybe the silliest video we did. We were working with uh, these two guys who I believe had a bit of a hit with uh, um, I'm not in love, but don't forget it. Who is that band? Refresh me. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, they're called tw- uh, not Gottly and Cream. 10 CC. No. 10 CC. Oh, 10CC. They were called 10CC, and they got out of the business. They had a hit. They made a little money. Who knows what? I don't know their the line of their career. But uh, those two guys, were they really ever a band? Did they ever tour? I don't know. But uh, uh, was it Godly and Krim? Yes, I think so. They, um, they shot our video. And uh, that may have been the worst video we ever shot. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't disagree, but but Gottlieb and Cream at that time were were very much in demand. They did um, didn't they do like Walking by the uh, Dawn was or Walking the Dinosaur or something like that. They they were they were the in demand people at that time. And by the way, Ten CC for folks who want to or paying attention uh, are on a cruise coming up. A 70s hits cruise, so they they still are out there now. Of course, it says 10cc on the marquee. I don't know who's actually in the band, but there you go, Godly and Cream. Didn't yeah, have... small G Godly and small C Cream. Who knows? What was that? <laughs> they, they also had a song. But in by... any yeah, in any event, <clears throat> they shot a video. They got into this video thing, and uh, there you go. It says right here they became involved in uh, you know videos with. Um, the police and yes and Duran Duran and Wang Chung and yes of course Huey in the news. So they got out of the music end of it and they had a bit of a hit, made a little money and very creative fellas. I can remember that. Uh, the whole idea of it was to shoot this video with a arthroscopic or whatever. Yeah. Arthroscopic. You know, it sounded like a great idea to us, but I don't know. Hey still still haunts me. My mom and dad Go look back. You be the judge. <laughs> that 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 video still haunts me. It, I, I really I get uncomfortable watching it. I'm I'm just like ooh, 
Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, we, we and 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 uh, for folks listening, uh, Wang Chung Jack Hughes is an upcoming interview. I have that booked, so there you go. Oh, great! Everybody, great. Wang Chung tonight. Um, all right, song. we are we are at fifty minutes, so our part our part two has become longer than the uh, than the part one. Um, <laughs> and, and since I don't I, think so. And since I've forgotten some of the things we've talked about, and I don't want to repeat, let let us just call it a day, and we we will say merci. And folks, I hope you enjoy both of these. Of course, do pick up weather, and uh, we will try to convince Johnny to put I Hear Voices uh, back online. It's it's unavailable right now, but I know fans have been asking, so I don't know. Maybe make it available as a digital download or throw it up on Spotify. I don't know. Fantastic. Somebody... Somebody make me reprint it. They want to hear it. They want it. Hundred bucks. Good, good, good. I'll sell you my version for two hundred. <laughs> well, you're gonna take a fifty fifty buck loss there. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. If I sell it for two hundred, I'm making a hundred bucks on it. No, but I, I don't sell. I don't sell my stuff. You know, I, I uh, there's a band that I really like. I'm not gonna name them, but they just released two singles on iTunes. So I texted the guitarist and I said, hey when am I going to get this on CD? Are you going to put it out in Japan or something? They go, no, it's only going to be on iTunes. And I went, oh, oh. Well, then I can't buy it. No. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I ended up buying it because I'm a completist, but I'm disappointed <laughs> because I just don't like owning air, as Alice Cooper said. You can't own I air. Understand. I understand. Yeah. I feel your pain, man. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. And For I all found... those who don't remember... LPs are on the on the upswing, uh, and uh, uh, CDs are on the downswing. For whatever that's worth, buy an LP. Hold that 12-inch record in your hand. Hold that jacket in your hand. Read the credits. Pull out the uh, uh, protective jacket and and see what's where. It's so much fun. It's so old school, and uh, I can say that uh, because I have about 4,000 records in my basement. But but you know that's how you discovered stuff. I discovered music, the the Abbas and the Kiss and the Beethoven Fifth Symphony, by going through the pile of records that were in front of the record player. My brothers, my moms, my dads, and all that. And it eventually led me to liking you know Kiss and to me liking Aerosmith and to me discovering these things and and then creating my own taste. And I look at my kids now, and my daughter Jada has all her music on her phone, and my son has all his music on his phone, and their phones don't yeah. commingle. And it's like, well, how do you discover stuff that you don't like? My brother had Kiss. That's how I discovered. Like, how do you not? It it it. So what do they look like? Who are they? Well, yeah. How long is their hair? Yeah, I understand. Besides the neck problems. Oh, that's another story. Yeah, I did the same thing, man. I I got cross-legged in front of my my parents record collection and there were a few things i liked you know it's like pepsi and coke did i like dean martin or frank sinatra or did i like the beatles or the rolling stones and every so often i'd pull the wrong record out and realize i was definitely against ray conniff so there you go <laughs> but i mean you you, <laughs> you like me must have looked at an album cover and gone I have no idea who this is, but I like what it looks like. Let me take a listen. I, you must have done yeah. that. We we've all done that. Yeah, and that's I, artwork, man. And you can't do that anymore. You know, you can't. You, uh, Jada stares at her phone. It's like, okay, well, that's right. The whole thing was a signature. Yeah. This record company put this thing out, and you put it in your hand. It was like buying a first edition book. It was a wonderful thing. It was. And uh, so, folks, do mm -hmm. uh, do buy weather. 
and uh, we will hear uh, I hear I hear voices. I'm just going to call it I hear voices part two uh, for now, and, and we'll go back in the interview and get the exact title. But uh, merci, always always a pleasure. This has been fun. Merci beaucoup, and don't forget Johnny Cola Lucky Devil. If you can get that one out there, yeah. Um, well, in fact, let's talk about that um, real quick. Johnny Johnny Cola Lucky Devil. Uh, that one, I think you're still selling for five dollars a pop, right? And and people can still pick that one up. <laughs> I wouldn't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I suppose until supplies run out, that that's somebody uh, that um, somebody somewhere else that's taking care of that. I guess I should say, but it's a it's an interesting record. It's it's light and dark. There's no middle ground there. I, I still, I can actually listen to that more than I hear voices because it was a, sort of a, a nice little statement for uh, what I was doing at the time. Well, I will just say, one, if I can just find it in my uh, in my playlist here, what's that song here? Hold on one second. I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, well, there's a lot of winners on that song, but the one that's right up front is, uh, where is it? Where, here it is. This one. Letter of the Law. Oh, yeah. Letter of the Law. That is a great tune. That is a great tune. And, and a lot of these tunes, uh, if they were uified, not Huey Lewis, the person necessarily, but the band, if they were uified, mm-hmm. they would be great Huey Lewis songs. They, they are, I mean, they're great songs as they are, but the, you get the whole band in there giving their little thing. I think you've got some, some great... So you don't have to write well, for a next Mitch, album. You, just get the, you know, uh, the... Uh, the Truthfully, there's a good possibility seven or eight of those tunes were Huey and the News rejects. We have a fire, you know, we're we're a band by committee. And I decided to make my own record, and that's how that came out. But Letter of the Law, like a lot of those tunes at the time, were uh, let me see what was the line on my uh, um, on my site. Um, all true stories. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. Yeah, you see. But Letter of the Law is a great song. <laughs> I love that album. That that's that's a great tune. Anyway, anyway, folks. Thanks, thanks. Anyway, folks, uh, that is uh, the end of uh, part two. And uh, on that, uh, again, remercie. Thank you so much. And uh, let us uh, let us stay in touch. And if whenever the new album comes out, let us uh, promote it and and talk about it. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Yui will get better, and we can get the band back on the road. Because through all my fandom. I have only seen you once live. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Because you always well, came me, to Montreal. In, you came to Montreal in the summer, and I'd always be on vacation with the family. And it's like, damn it, <laughs> I've seen you once. Well, let me let me throw this in real quick, and I can't even tell you how much we enjoy touring Canada. We've been from St. John all the way to Vancouver, and uh, I actually pitched an idea to the band to take a train like they did in 1968 with Janis Joplin and the Grateful Dead and Quicksilver and all those bands to take that same train and, and do the tour from, uh, from the right coast to the left coast. I couldn't talk them into it, but uh, we have such a great affinity with that. I have a, a Cugino. Uh, I have a cousin in my, in uh, Toronto uh, who has a company that actually um, a wonderful design company uh, who helped design one of your Canadian coins. And I have always enjoyed the hang in the country. In spite of what they say down here in the lower 48, 
I'm a Canadian at heart. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a little chilly, but it's a great country. And uh, just, just to mention real quick, uh, uh, Steve Harris, the bass player for Iron Maiden, just came and did a solo tour here last November. And I got to the venue and there was no bus, no this. So I, had a, I, I said, what are you doing? He did that run. So every day after the shows, they'd be driven out to the Via train station and they took mm-hmm. the train from Ottawa to Montreal, Montreal to Quebec. Quebec. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just the greatest idea. They, they had no stress. Yeah. They had no overhead, basically. Uh, and, sure. and, and they had the greatest tour possible. So, yeah, I, I recommend it. You should definitely do it. That would be a fun, fun way to see the city or to see the country. Yeah, I, I think say. so. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it would be a different way, and we've enjoyed our time up there. And the last one you did in Montreal was the Jazz Festival, which is really... right. It has run so incredibly well, that festival. And I haven't spoken to a single artist who has had a bad thing to say about it. So either be the first or tell us how great it is. (laughs) No, it's Had an absolute ball. Yeah. Of course, you know, you, you scratch your head a little bit where... We're a band, you know, we're a sort of a, who knows, whatever you want to call us, rock Americana band. We're playing a jazz fest, but let's face it, with with shows nowadays and concerts and festivals, you can certainly stretch the um, title of what you're actually doing as, as far as a promoter. And we had a gas. I, I trekked out on my own. I walked through the city of Montreal for about three and a half, four hours. I showed up backstage a half hour before showtime, put on my little silly uniform, and we had a ball, man. Yeah. No, oh, wait a minute. I think Mike Reno showed up. Yeah. yeah. He did. Yeah. He, showed, he lives uh, really close there, and Reno showed up, and we reminisced and kicked back and talked about the old times. And he was too shy to get up there and sing with me, but... Uh, no. Good to see his face, man. Mike is Mike is great. Good to fact, see a lover boy face. He was he was my interview yesterday, Mister Reno. He's he's a good, I'll be damned. good dude. Good good good. Yeah, they they are coming here doing a show for a, a cancer benefit, half cancer benefit, half mental health awareness benefit. And mm. so we did an interview for that. So you you just got to respect a band that does. What is that that just turned on? How nice of the air conditioning to turn on in the middle of March. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, anyway. Yeah, that... Mike Reno, Mike Reno, and, the whole, and all the guys, man. Yep, great guys. Um, we we opened a tour for them way back when, and uh, in recent years we've done a couple corporates with them, and they are just a great sounding band. They've written great songs and and uh, have the utmost respect for the old Lover Boys. Yeah, there you go. So we'll leave, we'll leave it on, lover boy. Thank you for for part two. Thank you for putting up with all my my questioning. And uh, uh, I will I will send you this. And uh, there we go. Thank you, sir. Merci, monsieur. We'll take it from there, Mitch. And thank you so much. Cheers. Have a good one. Oh, Canada. There you go. Terre, terre de nos aïeux. And if you want to do it in French. <laughs> Cheers. Bye bye now. All the best. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.